This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 400. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, featuring shows like, well, the Concealed Carry Podcast, Not Your Average Gun Girls Podcast, Get the Firearm Trainers Podcast, and the Law Dog Shooting Sports Podcast. You can check out all of our podcast shows at podcasts.concealedcarry.com. Did I get that right, Jacob? Yep. Awesome. <laughs> you know, got to make sure that the boss man keeps me straight here. Uh, so welcome to the show today. Today we are talking about the new gun owners checklist. We've been seeing a lot of talk lately. In fact, Matthew and I just did the episode two days ago, episode 399, talking about some legislative news and things going on, uh, especially with COVID-19 and stuff, and a lot of people buying guns, well, and ammo especially too, but a lot of new gun owners out there, we think. So, you know, we got to thinking about it this morning and thought, you know what, this is the topic for today talking about what do the new gun owners really need to know and where do they need to focus their time and effort and resources, assuming they just bought a gun for the first time. So that's the topic of today's episode. And we're feeling in a bit of a celebratory mood because it's episode 400. So we've got Matthew. He's with us as well. What's up, dude? Hey. And we got Jacob. So we got we got all three of us here on one episode. That must mean the world is coming to an end. That's <laughs> <laughs> <So>, not. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> so, uh, but today's episode is sponsored by Guns.com. So if you're struggling finding that next gun purchase of yours, uh, you might consider checking out Guns.com. I mean, they've been cleaned out pretty good as well, but I know they still have things out there. I don't know, Jacob, you were looking at things uh, earlier or yesterday or something. I think you said something about that. They're pretty low on ammo, uh, but they, they still have some a, a decent new gun uh, collection and they have tons of used guns. So yeah. this, is a, you know, this is a good good opportunity. If you're looking for a gun, they, they still have plenty to choose from. Yeah, so there you go. So And when we say they're low, you know, you got to keep that in context. The difference between having like you know, 10,000 guns in stock versus like 3,000 or something. I'm making up those numbers, but they, they got plenty. <laughs> right, right. So uh, that's what I what I mean. Like, I, I actually checked into one of my local gun stores here the other day, which normally has a huge inventory of used and new guns, and I was shocked at how cleaned out it was. Like, of guns. I was like, dang, like, that's crazy. So you might consider looking online for your next gun purchase and check out guns.com for an amazing selection and an easy purchase process where you'll buy the gun that you want, they'll ship it to your local FFL, all you gotta do is go pick it up. Pretty simple and straightforward. It's not as simple as some people would like, you know, we've been hearing some reports of people like in California and whatnot trying to buy guns and getting frustrated that they couldn't just have them shipped to their home. Or whatever. Yeah, part part of being a new gun owner is realizing that we actually do regulate them. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. You know, there there's there's actually this gun control that already exists. I know, what a concept. <sighs> anyway, uh, today's episode also made possible and brought to you by our Legal Boundaries by State book. Uh, we've been uh, selling this for some time now. We create our own version, our you know our 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 version of a 
50 state, you know, nationwide collection of state laws and policies and procedures and transporting and all this stuff all combined into one simple, what is it, 100 page book, Jacob? It's like 100 pages, right? Exactly 100 pages. Yeah. yeah. One page per state, so there's 50 pages right there, plus DC, that's 51, and then 49 other pages of information. <laughs> there you go. So check out the Legal Boundaries by State book. Uh, I think this would be a great help. And we'll talk about, about this some more in the episode as we talk about uh, new gun owners checklist related things. And uh, so check it out at concealedcarry.com forward slash, I think it's law book. Gun law book. Gun law book. Thank you. That's why you're here. Concealedcarry.com forward slash gun law book. Well, um, again, we, we, we talked about this idea of creating sort of a checklist. Uh, and a checklist by nature, by definition, is you know an, an itemized list of things. It's hopefully simplified uh, in an easy to understand and, and comprehend format, and a person can just sort of work their way down the list and check things off as they go, right? So, again, we've been seeing a lot of talk and chatter out there about people buying new guns. Uh, I was actually reading a post by Tom Givens this morning where he shared the example of of someone that, that uh, you know, had they were not really pro-gun and they never thought they had a need for a gun. And all of a sudden they were asking for recommendations about what they should do. And, they're, you know, he's kind of like, well, it's kind of late because you're probably not going to find what you want. Or there's, you know, a lot, lot less limited or a lot more limited supply. You're going to have a hard, hard time finding ammo. Um, you know, it's kind of a too little, too late sort of situation. But. Here we are, people buying guns. Where do they get started? I think step one is buy a gun. <laughs> okay, so that that's kind of obvious. Now, someone may have already done it, or they're listening or watching the show, and they're wondering, or they're thinking about buying a gun. So let me. I think we should split those two things up a little bit. Let's say you've already bought a gun, and you just bought whatever. You bought what, what you thought was best or what fit your budget. And it might not be the most ideal gun out there. Who knows? I mean, you might have bought the the cheapest little, I don't know, 22 semi-automatic that, you know, might jam every other shot or something. And you might not even know that. But that's that's beside the point. You, you got what you got, right? So that that's one side of the spectrum. The other side is you're thinking about buying a gun. Matthew, Jacob, what would your recommendations be about, you know, what what should a person look for or what should they potentially get? Yeah, in an effort to keep it really concise, then I'll pass it to Matthew. Uh, <laughs> two, two thoughts. Uh, one would be that uh, purchasing a gun is, is somewhat challenging, at least shopping for one is, because it's not like a, a car where you show up at the dealership, you flash a driver's license and you can test drive anything you want for free endlessly. Uh, guns, you know, you obviously want to test drive the gun before you buy it to the best of your ability but most gun stores don't have a range. And those that do have a range, you may have a, there may be a selection of rental guns you can pick up, take in the back and shoot and get a sense for, but you might pay rental fees and that can add up very quickly. So making some phone calls in advance to different gun stores and ranges and finding out what they may have in terms of rental selection and what it costs to rent guns is probably a good first step. Yeah. And I would also add, um, if you think about if you're using this gun and chances are, if you're buying it now, it's because you want it for home defense. Think about who's going to be using the gun, who's in your home. Um, I know there's 
a lot of uh, the initial reaction is if I want a gun for my home defense, I need to get a shotgun, right? Because it, it, it develop, you know, delivers a lot of kinetic energy. It's loud. It's, but think about if you don't have a lot of training or maybe you do, but your wife or your teenage, uh, you know, children don't make sure you have a firearm that is easily used by all of them because it may not be you, the one that's using it. So if they can't use it because they're scared or they can't physically rack this, you know, uh, the foregrip or something like that, then it's really of no use if you're not there. So I would, I would also kind of look into those types of things, have a discussion with the people in your home and, and kind of gauge their, their understanding, their basic understanding or willingness to use a firearm. So everything you, you guys just said is, is all, you know, kind of the, well, I would say industry good, you know, industry recognized industry, best practice type, you know, recommendation. Um, I've gotten to a point now though, in my life, that's like, you know what, if you want to just keep it simple and someone comes to me and says, what should I buy? I'll just be like, go buy a Glock 17 or Glock 19. Just, just go buy a, a nine millimeter Glock. Why? Because it's reliable. It has a history of that. Right. So we don't have to worry about that piece so much. Uh, tons of holsters and aftermarket accessories available and nine millimeters. So readily available, you know, caliber, uh, with lots of options in terms of just training ammo as well as defensive ammo. Uh, well then some people would probably counter and say, well, but is a Glock the right gun for everybody? Well, no, not necessarily, not necessarily. Um, and some will say, well, I hate the way but there's there. I, I really, I think what, I, what I, you're getting at, and this is the, this is how I would summarize this point is that sometimes just making a decision is more important than making the best decision. Uh, as a new gun owner, you don't know what you don't know. And so at some point you're just gonna have to make a decision and getting too wrapped up in picking the right thing might be uh, more than is necessary. It, it's the equivalent of telling someone uh, what kind of car should I get? Probably a Toyota Camry or an F-150 because those are the two most popular vehicles right. on planet earth. Yeah, um, so if you need a truck, a go get an F-150. <laughs> right. And if you need a car, probably a Camry is a good start. That doesn't mean it's the, just means that, you know, this is the 80-20 of the decision. Yep. Yep. That, and, that, and that's kind of my point, you know, uh, because it, it, get started, get started with something. And I think it's far better to get started with something that we, based on history and, 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 and experience that we generally know works and learn to shoot first. And then I think it makes a little more sense to start worrying about like, what's the best gun for me? Now, there are a lot of other things the, to consider, the other- but... The other thing I think is really relevant to this conversation is remember that if you go get a gun that's extremely commonplace, that's very popular, you're not going to have a hard time finding accessories or training. You know, yeah. you're, you're not going to have a hard time finding a YouTube video about how to break that thing down or how the manufacturer rep, rec, recommends it be lubricated or you know any of that stuff. So sticking with streamlined, very highly common popular guns is going to be helpful in that regard. Yep. I know this probably comes as a shock to some people knowing that I'm, I'm kind of a SIG guy, but you know I still have a great uh, fondness for my Glocks, and I recognize them for the simple but very effective and efficient tools that they are. So, anyway, um, all right. But let's. But again, some of you may have already bought something, and maybe it's not the most ideal thing, but it was available or to fit your budget or whatever it is. Well, that's the gun you have. So run it. And moving on to what we'd say is our number two item on the checklist is go buy some ammo for it. 
And I'm going to expound on that a little bit and hand it off to you guys for some additional input. But I would say, you know, chances are you bought a gun because you're you're interested in or you're concerned about your own personal or home or family defense. So a good defensive ammo that that works for that gun is is well that makes sense to get if that's the purpose of the gun. Uh, by quality defensive handgun ammo, and I would say, honestly, there's a lot of choices out there, and you can really get into the weeds on it and get it's kind of like trying to choose the right gun well i'm trying to choose the right ammo there's not necessarily a right an exactly right answer for every person every situation there's definitely some things i would say to probably avoid but to keep it simple buy a good quality hollow point round federal hst is hard to go wrong with spear gold dots hard to go wrong with um critical duties hard to go wrong with I actually steer people a little bit away from critical defense. Just just go with critical duty because I just feel like it's a – I won't get into the weeds on that. But uh, buy – or even like a SIG V crown, like the 115, 124 grain SIG rounds. They're, they're, they're you know, something like that, a decent quality hollow point round, and then run that in your gun. All right, now this might be challenging to go buy a whole bunch of ammo, but you got to run at least a few magazines, I think, worth through the gun. And make sure it works because you did yourself no favors if you bought a gun and you bought a round that's not compatible, right? And you fire one round and all of a sudden you got malfunction city, you know, every, you know, every other round you're clearing a malfunction. That's not the situation you want to find yourself in. So, so buy a good quality hollow point that goes with your gun, meaning that it's chambered for that gun and then test it uh, to, to know that you have at least some Again, we're talking about new gun owner checklist here, so this is assuming I'm not assuming that you're going to go and shoot 200 rounds of your defensive ammo through it and confirm, you know, functionality. A uh, couple magazines, make sure it works. We probably want to do more reliability testing, but that should do it for now. Yeah, I would just add, you know, for the new gun owner that is saying compatibility, what do you mean, nine millimeter versus 40 or what? Um, when you're dealing with hollow point ammunition, and I'll just generalize this very easily for you. Um, you can get a nine millimeter handgun and there's 75,000 different types of nine millimeter uh, ammunition. And the, when you're dealing with hollow point ammunition, it's not rounded. So there's some angles and certain guns don't feed, don't accept certain um, angles and, and geometry of different uh, ammunition. So when Riley's talking about making sure it runs in your gun and it doesn't jam, um, that's what we're talking about. It could be a nine millimeter and yeah, you buy nine millimeter. I have a nine millimeter gun, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to feed reliably with your gun. So um, that's what, that's what we're talking about. The only thing I would add is to clarify that uh, hollow points as, as we were referring to them are preferable, preferable for defensive use. And, and it's obviously that much more critical than that that as Riley indicated that we test them and run them in the gun, make sure that they don't jam or malfunction in the firearm you've chosen, but non hollow points, full metal jackets, right. Would be, would be the, uh, the more common term. That ammunition is probably less expensive and more likely to be what you're going to use on a regular basis when you go to the range and practice. So you're probably going to buy more full metal jackets to go to the range and practice with, but to Riley's point, you want to buy enough hollow points that you both have enough to load in the gun for defensive use, but also to to run through the gun to ensure proper functionality. Well, and, and, and you make a good point that um, I've gone to the, to the gun stores and I've seen that 
um, they're out of a lot of ammunition. A lot of people are saying, Hey, I can't get ammunition. I can't get nine mil. Um, but I'm seeing a bunch of self-defense ammunition still available. It's all of the full metal jacket training ammunition that's, that's sold out. So, you know, you, you still need to buy defensive ammunition because if you're shooting that inside your home, um, you don't want to deal with this, the, the, you know, excessive over penetration of a, of a full metal jacket round. So, uh, very important that you're not just focusing on stockpiling full metal jacket, but actually getting uh, hollow point ammunition that's still readily available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can be found. I mean, I, I've definitely seen a shortage of that as well, but uh, it's out there. And that'd be another thing. I would just encourage throughout this whole kind of panic buying season that we exercise some patience and not make stupid you know, reactionary sort of purchase decisions, you know, ver- you know, very, uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, you know, when someone buys something <laughs> quickly, too quickly based on emotion, impulse buy, impulse buy. Thank impulse. You. There we go. <laughs> uh, clearly I'm not impulsive enough to remember <laughs> the word impulsive. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you're patient, if you check a couple shops around, you'll, you'll eventually, I'm sure find uh, something that'll, that'll work for you and work for your gun. Um, all right. So, uh, what would be, Jake, I'm going to throw it at you. What would be the number three checklist? So we've talked about buying a gun, secure storage. Yeah. Okay. Secure storage for sure. You, you, in my, in my world and Jacob land, uh, you don't bring a gun home unless you have a place to secure that firearm. So with the gun has to come home some sort of safe. Now, if you already have something at home that you think is functional, then we could we could debate over you know the viability of that option. But you need some some form of secure storage for your firearm, uh, permanently or long term storage of a firearm in a vehicle is not recommended. It's considered a you know, bad idea, uh, and and obviously whether you intend to carry that gun with you on your person uh, on a daily basis or not, at very least at night you're going to need a place to secure that firearm. So some sort of small viable, preferably high quality handgun safe. If we're talking about a handgun or a rifle safe, if we're talking about a rifle is important. Uh, Now the safes vary obviously greatly in quality and in price. And so you generally do get what you pay for. And so if the safe is less than about $75, I'd say it's probably just not, not good enough. Uh, From $75, you can go up from there and spend quite a bit uh, and, and, and go from there. A, a, safe, a safe should not only secure the firearm, but the safe itself should be secured to something so that an intruder in the home can't pick up the safe and haul it out on their own. So either mounting it to something or securing it via some sort of cable, which often might come with your safe, is the best practice. Well, what would you say? I mean, so <clears throat> what if someone has made an impulse buy and they went and just bought that gun today because they saw it there behind that glass case? Uh, so you know, now they're a little bit behind the ball, maybe on getting some of these other things in in place first, as far as maybe having some some good secure storage. Uh, I mean, there's some other strategies uh, I think that person could use. I mean, what would you say to somebody that gets a couple padlocks and locks the case that the gun's kept in, keeps the gun unloaded loaded inside, and 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 padlocks that that gun case? Yeah, sometimes for a temporary guns, solution. Sure, sure. And so, sometimes guns come in some sort of hard plastic case that you could put a padlock on. The last gun I purchased did not. It came in a little soft zip bag. So, but yeah, if you can, if you can figure out some method of secure storage, I think that's, that's preferable to nothing is the short answer. A lot of guns even come with a cable lock that, that makes that gun pretty difficult to access and use in an emergency. Every Um, gun comes with some sort mm -hmm. of lock. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so the point is something is better than nothing relative to, um, 
you know, your, your need to access the gun quickly in an emergency. So, you know, when we talk about different types of storage systems, we gotta, you gotta ask yourself, is this a gun that I intend to, I'm securing for long-term storage, or is this something to which I want to have quick access in case of an emergency? Well, if the answer is I need to get to a quick access in case of an emergency, then that safe or that secure storage method or system needs to be such that you can uh, unsecure that gun and get to it quickly. So that cable lock or whatever lock that, you know, trigger lock, or whatever other thing you might be using uh, is not a very quick thing to disable. A, 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 your traditional padlock, uh, if it takes a key or if it's a, a turn dial combination, that is not a very quick system, especially when you're jittery and your adrenaline's pumping and you're scared for your life. So the best practice here is to have probably like a digital keypad or push button uh, or biometric system that you can get you know open quickly and retrieve the firearm quickly and, and have that gun you know staged such that it can be used accordingly. Now, if, now if you're buying a gun for long-term storage, which I don't think is really the the direct topic of this this episode, then all that probably doesn't matter. Frankly, the more difficult, challenging, and time-consuming it, it is to get to the gun, probably the better, arguably. Hmm. Yeah. I- I think you just have to do an assessment of your needs based on who's in your home. If you have children, obviously, um, you know, more security probably is more important than quick access necessarily, right? So there's a give and a take. If you're living by yourself and you're in a rural area and, and, and things like that, you may have a, you know, a loaded shotgun hanging above your bed and, and you know, that might be how you roll. But um, I think you you have to do an assessment on on what fits your needs and 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 your specific makeup of who's in your household. I think that's fair. You know, I mean, here's the thing. Like, let's say, what if what if society starts just completely collapsing tonight, and you're concerned that you know your house is going to be overrun by I don't know mobs or something like that's pretty for toilet paper, right? Right, especially toilet paper. Uh, I mean, that might be a little far fetched, but but crazier things have honestly probably happened. Uh, I mean, you you can go back to the LA riots back in the what, early '90s uh, and how crazy things got then. So so you know, I, I guess what I would say is what mo- being a little bit more principle focused or based around this topic is we must be concerned about safety and security of individuals in the home, particularly children with un- un- unauthorized access. So we got to, we got to keep that in mind. We got to take steps to prevent those children from gaining unauthorized access to the, to the firearm. And so however you get that accomplished, as long as it's, you know, secure and, 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 and you know, you've got control of that gun, then, you know, so be it. Um, you know, do the best thing that you can based on the circumstances. But as Jacob, you know, has touched on, uh, it's really important that you be thinking as much as you can forward and going, okay, I'm going to buy a gun. I'm going to bring that gun home. I do have others in the home I'm concerned about uh, safety-wise, so I, I need to be thinking about purchasing some way of storing that firearm. And we love the quick access safes. Uh, you know, I've still got my original gun vault uh, quick access safe that I've had for pretty much oh it's got to be close to 15 years now it's been a long time i've had that thing and it still works still works reliably now they've uh, they've discontinued that model and come up with like three since then <laughs> um but yeah we, we sell all the gun vault uh, products they just rolled out a brand new line in late 2019 and uh, those are safes that we think are really solid uh, and for those who are listening to this or watching this certainly know that we will also include uh, after this episode is done in the show notes, a list of resources that we're referencing as we talk here. I'm making notes and we'll, we'll have the, you know links to all this stuff. Yep. Absolutely. 
Uh, all right, Matthew, what's next? What? Okay, so we've talked about three checklist items so far. What's number four? So, I, expanding on the the storage, and I'll, I'll kind of uh, you know throw this in with storage is a holster because if you want to, let's say you 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 know you consider your risk level very high, and I want to have that gun accessible on you know on the spot, but I do have children, and I don't want to mess around with biometric safes and everything. There's plenty of people like that. That's fine. Um, maybe keeping the gun on your person is, is your best bet. And so get a holster um, that is going to meet all those criteria that we cover, right? It's gun specific. It covers the trigger guard. It uh, secures the gun to your belt or, you know, your body. Um, and it doesn't allow the gun to just fall out like a Uncle Mike's holster, nylon holster that fits everything under the sun except your gun exactly, right? So um, I think the the holster is an integral part because a lot of people are going to find I have this gun and now I don't know what to do with it when it's not in my hand and I don't want to lock it up in the safe. So a holster is obviously uh, necessary. Well, yeah, I agree with that. We've been... We've talked for a long time on the podcast and make this point again and again and again about uh, the practice of carrying even while at home uh, because we've we've shared so many justified save stories and experiences from various people and, and from the news where the home is broken into and we read this line again and again of, you know, a person had to go retrieve their gun. Mm-hmm. Well, why did they have to go and retrieve it from somewhere? Now, it's one thing, it, okay, it's two in the morning or it's three in the morning and, and you do have your gun actually locked up, so you got to go retrieve it from the safe. I mean, I keep, I keep quick access one right next to the bed, but I've got others elsewhere too. Uh, so that's one thing, but there's there's been plenty of situations too where people are not asleep or they're not, you know, I don't know, that they, they could definitely have that gun or they could consider having that gun on their person. And if you got a gun on your person, it should absolutely be in a holster. So a quality holster is absolutely essential. Jacob, you were going to say something, I'm sure. Well, I'll, I'll jump in. Maybe Jacob's having uh, difficulty hearing, but uh, there's a couple comments about open carry versus concealed carry. And Jared uh, made a comment. If you're planning open carry, my opinion is you need a positive retention holster as opposed to a friction retention holster. Absolutely. If uh, when we're talking about open carry, the gun is visible, right? And so some sort of retention method, there's different retention methods. Uh, Snaps are a common one. There's sometimes a little levers and sometimes a little locking things. Um, But if you're going to open carry, especially if you go outside your home, inside your home, probably not as critical, but especially outside your home, make sure there is some sort of level of retention so that gun um, isn't just easily taken from you because a lot of guns are lost that way. Yeah. Open carry outside of the home, especially. I mean, Safari Land ALS is the gold standard where it comes to uh, uh, an active retention holster uh, uh, that I would recommend, Uh, but they're not always available for all models of guns or readily available. Um, But, uh, but yeah, he's absolutely right uh, to that point. Um, Jacob, your thoughts? Um, You know, it's interesting. I'm going back and forth in my mind on this because I'm thinking to myself, a brand new gun owner, I I just don't think that the brand new gun owner is is informed enough to buy, you know, the right quality holster for 
for their situation. Uh, it's one of those things that, just, you know, but on the same token, it's like, well, they just bought a gun. How informed were they in buying the gun? And, and I do agree with the premise that, well, if you're going to be walking around the house and you want to have that gun for an emergency in the home, then you should have it on you. So, so yeah, I guess you, you're going to have to pull the trigger and get a, get a holster. And I think that that buying process is going to have to be similar to the gun in some respects and that you make the best informed decision you have, you can with the information you have. Uh, but this, this is, I mean, if you think picking the right gun is challenging, well, you just get, <laughs> I mean, holsters are going to overwhelm you. that will bury you. I mean, the amount of, of opinion out there, the number of companies out there making holsters. And, and then we start getting into conversations with all this jargon, like uh, a positive retention and, you know, friction retention and type three retention and, you know, disengage this and Kydex versus hybrid versus, you know, it's just, That's it's fair. just a, a rabbit hole. And so I think that uh, if you're, if you're the beginning gun owner who's listening to this and you're like, Oh, holster crap, I need one. Uh, I guess my, my two cents would be get something that's a hard material, uh, preferably like a Kydex type plastic something uh, or leather. And, uh, you know, maybe watch a couple of reviews online so you have a sense for how it works and check the return policy. You know, check the return policy. That's the best thing you do. Most today, it's pretty easy to buy a holster that you can return within 60 to 90 days and get your money back. And that's going to give you a starting point with something. And yes, we, you know, we have endless other episodes on this podcast, you know, in the first 399 episodes where we talk about uh, feelings we have about holsters, but retention is important. The ability for that holster to prevent the gun from being discharged while the gun's in the holster is even more important. In other words, the material being made of such a material and the design being such that when the gun is in the holster, the trigger can't get accidentally snagged or depressed by any, you know, external thing. Uh, is really pretty critical. So, uh, the you know, gun being safe in holster, gun not accidentally coming out of holster, that's the retention thing, and then holster not accidentally coming off of you because it's attached to you well, right? So the, the holster is, is uh, you know, has retention on the body, right? So it's on a belt or it's clipped in such a way that it's not going to easily come off. Those Those are kind of the three main deal breaker things you might look for. Yeah. Well, and I'm glad you went down that road as far as simplifying that because that's that's kind of as i was thinking about it, that's where i would go is uh, something that prevents the trigger from being pressed while it's being carried and that the gun stays in the holster i'm reminded of that uh, story it was a very sad one of the father i think playing mm-hmm. wrestling with his son yeah uh and the gun came out of the apparently out of the holster and somehow the trigger was depressed usually this happens when someone tries to catch a gun that's falling or catching, you know, because it's falling out of the holster, so they go to reach for it, and they snag the trigger, and and next thing you know, it, the dad and the son both were somehow shot. I think uh, he had a shoulder holster, right? So you can well, imagine. there's, there's definitely uh, that's a different one. There's oh. definitely the one that was a revolver, a, a, a three fifty seven. The dad was uh, trying to secure his son in the car seat. Mm, yeah, and that one fell out, and he shot himself in the abdomen and died from that. Yeah. So that's a real concern. That's why retention is important. And that's why trigger protection too is, is, is important on that holster. Uh, you know, again, options might be limited, especially, you know, in a situation where someone's trying to buy something and get something that they can have and, and have with them today. Uh, so, so, you know, take those principles we just discussed and f- abide by them as much as you can make the best decision you can. You might not be able to get the best piece of equipment today, but be immediately thinking of, of what you're going to do and, and how you're going to improve that. And Jacob's right. Uh, you know, there's a lot of resources out there uh, about, uh, uh, you know, you could go watch some YouTube videos, but I would, I would caution you about honestly, a lot of content that's out there 
it's it's hard as someone that's maybe not um, well versed in the industry or in the community of of guns uh, to parse through that and know what's good info from bad info. But we've definitely covered a lot of these topics on the podcast in previous episodes and articles on the site. Uh, at concealedcarry.com. And I also say that we've got a, a quite a you know a growing list and, and variety of holsters available for sale on concealedcarry.com as well if you're looking to buy a holster. Uh, okay, so real quick, I, I, I just had this realization, guys. Uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't say something about safety. We talked about safely storing a gun, but you know, do people actually know the firearm safety rules all right uh and and i don't want to you know get too far into the weeds on things but it comes down to don't point that thing anywhere other than a safe direction don't point it at people be mindful of walls that bullets can pass through so so be aware of where people are and be aware of what you're doing with the gun and handle it appropriately recognizing that this thing can and will hurt and kill you or someone else uh and I'm inclined to kind of leave it at that. We did a whole episode back like 380-ish, 370-ish. I don't remember exactly. Talking about uh, safety rules. Uh, so, I, you know, people could go there and listen to that. Uh, and it's going to come up when we talk about you know, getting training and, and taking a safety class here in a few minutes. Right. Uh, I, I think that, yeah, the, the sort of it is maintain a healthy fear of the thing you just brought home. Uh, you know, understand that it is it is dangerous. That's why it's kind of scary and intimidating and exciting at the same time. And so, part of that healthy fear is you know managing where it's pointed and, and how you're handling it. And uh, beyond that, also you might find that a lot of guns come with some sort of paperwork or documentation that has safety rules. Or at the gun store where you buy it, there might be a brochure or a little trifold or something you can bring home that has some information on there. I don't think but, I've uh, ever yeah. I don't think I've ever seen a, a handgun manual that didn't have the rules of safety in it. Right. Yeah. Right in the instruction manual. Sure. But yeah, we're, I think we'll, we'll tackle that a little bit more here in a minute when we talk about training, but uh, yeah. So in our pre episode planning, uh, we, we were kind of, you know, brainstorming, putting, putting together some ideas and kind of some lists of things. Uh, and Jacob, you, you had one here called get familiar with gun. And so I'm going to go ahead and we're going to run with that for our number five item on the checklist, get familiar with the gun. I'm sure you've got a whole host of, of, of ideas or thoughts you want to share on that, but, Kind of this. This is a perfect segue because part of getting familiar with your gun is to actually read the manual that came with that gun. The manual is going to have the safety rules. Uh, the manual is going to explain how that gun functions and how it operates, how you can disassemble it and do so safely. Uh, ma- any maintenance that's required. So that would and that would, so that would be a f- kind of the first piece like the kind of the knowledge piece about the actual gun itself and how it works and how you operate it <clears throat> but then kind of a secondary thing to that but all, but very 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 important is getting familiar with the gun and 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 handling it in your hands you know learning how to hold a gun and hold it properly with finger straight off the trigger which is part of the safety uh gun handling takes some time to learn and safety as it relates to that handling kind of also takes some some time it takes some getting used to uh, and ingraining those habits uh, into your brain um, and so I mean boy we, we could easily also get into the weeds on, on a subject like this as far as like how to actually 
grip the gun and how to draw it from a holster and and these sorts of things. That's not the, the intent of today's episode. But getting familiar with the gun, I, I agree with you, Jacob. You have it here listed. I think that's a really important thing to consider. As a, as a new gun owner, I, I would think of this the way you approach driving a car. I, I don't understand the engine and the pistons and carburetor and alternator and starter. and all, Like all those words mean nothing to me. I am not a mechanic. I'm not handy with vehicles. I, I, I'm confident I could not change the oil in my car without a YouTube video, uh, nor have I ever attempted to do so. But I do know how to change a tire. I do know how to get in. I know how to, you know, start the car. I know how what all the little buttons on the dashboard do. I know what the pedals uh, do. I know how to use them appropriately. And obviously, through experience, I've built some degree of skill, you know, which is debatable how much that is uh, relative to driving a car. And so, I, I think you got to think of the gun the same way. You don't need to know what every little spring does and what every little thing does, but you do need to know enough to operate it properly. And there's what I would call kind of general firearm knowledge. And then there's things that are specific to your gun. And I think that as a new gun owner, you need to know that general firearm knowledge pretty good. I'm going to self-incriminate myself a little bit. Um, When I bought my first handgun and was shooting it, it, it was probably a good solid year before I found out that you did not need to remove the magazine in order to release the slide forward. Uh, Now, that's embarrassing to admit out loud. But my experience with my gun was I press trigger, bullets come flying out, slide locks to the rear. Uh, I can't get slide to go forward. And then if I remove the magazine, the slide goes forward fine. And I did not understand conceptually the idea that there was this follower in the magazine that engaged a slide stop to lock the slide uh, to the rear. And so all I had to do is depress that slide stop and the slide would come forward. And I did not need to remove the magazine. I didn't know that. Um, that that was something I just didn't get. And so that, to me, would be on the list of like general gun knowledge that any gun, new gun owner should know. And so there's plenty of good videos out there on YouTube um, that have even really nice animations and graphics uh, that show the internal parts of the gun that help you understand how it cycles and how it works. And, you know, the ammo is fed up via the spring from the magazine that goes up this feed ramp into the chamber. And then, the, you know, the trigger releases this, that releases that. And the firing pin comes forward and strikes this. And that causes the ignition. And this comes flying out the... You know, like just those basic things is like step one. And then what what you said, Riley, about the kind of the gun specific things. Well, this particular gun, uh, when I lubricate, I should put lubricant here, but I should not put it here. And this particular gun, according to the instruction manual, says that after 5,000 rounds, this recoil spring should be replaced or or whatever those little things are. I think that's important. So the instruction manual, you can read that. Uh, I'm a very visual person. So when I buy a new gun and, and the other... Here I am. I'm not some like fancy expert, but I'm relatively familiar with this. I do this full time and I'm instructor. And when I buy a new gun, I still go watch 10 YouTube videos, um, you know, about that gun. I want to see what other people say about it, what they think about it. I want to see um, what the, you know, any little intricacies or that they've, that they've discovered. I want to know uh, how they break it down, how they clean it. Um, you know, so, so just that, that level of familiarity kind of starting broadly and then getting very specific, I think is important. Um, you're, this is a tool you're buying solely for use in an emergency. And so if it breaks down during that use, you're screwed. So you need to make sure you understand how it operates and how to uh, deal with, uh, with, with common issues. Matthew, anything you want to add? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a good segue into how do you get familiar with your gun in other ways than just reading or watching a video or, you know, messing around with it in your hand. Um, obviously, you want to know how to load the gun, how to chamber around, how to unload the gun, right? Those are simple things that you need to be able to do safely. And learning those skills with live with live rounds is not ideal for the new gun owner, right? So um, there are things if you, you know, if you're a new gun owner, um, you can get called dummy rounds. They're inert rounds that look just like, you know, a regular round. They function just, just the same as far as uh, chambering and unloading and, and being ejected and all that stuff, but they don't fire. So you can practice loading up a magazine or filling up a magazine, putting the magazine in, chambering around. Um, what, what do I do if I want to take the magazine out and get that gun or that round out of the chamber? Um, so those types of devices um, are very important to learning safely. So you don't, because it's very intimidating, uh, to be a new gun owner and have a gun and have rounds in it and say, I, I don't really know how to, how to unload this thing. Right. So, um, the, the, those safety tools are very important in becoming familiar with your gun. Yeah. Great stuff. Yep. I agree. So another natural segue here, I think, and this is part of getting familiar with a gun, uh, both in terms of just kind of how it feels, how it operates, but also in learning how you and your hands and your body integrates with that gun, how it's used. And that's the the idea of dry fire. Uh, One thing that, you know, I can look at shooters, I can watch them do a couple of draws with a gun, maybe shoot it a little bit. And very quickly pick up on whether they are experienced handling that gun or not. You guys know what I mean. You you see things you're like, ooh, that you know that's a little bit. It just it's kind of it's 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 like watching me try to play soccer. I I'm I'm terrible at soccer. I look extremely awkward trying to play soccer. I have this <laughs> visual in my mind. <laughs> okay, I'm probably not as bad as I as I think, but like I I'm not good at soccer. I'd much rather play baseball or even basketball um so the point is is like you guys know what i mean that you watch somebody do something that's kind of unfamiliar to them and they look awkward doing it because familiarity uh practice breeds um you know smoothness in in the way the hand you know the the handling uh is done is, is performed whether it's you know kicking a ball around on my knees and my feet or picking up a handgun and knowing exactly where to place my fingers and my thumbs and, and all that stuff so dry fire i think is is a great place for someone to get started to begin getting the repetitions that will breed that subconscious competence that's going to take thousands of repetitions honestly but eventually you will get there the the, the challenge though is is knowing how's the proper way to actually do this so i'm just going to throw out a simple resource uh, we've got things on our site and including we've got this new shooter ready challenge uh, shooterreadychallenge.com that's kind of all about dry fire and doing stuff with the gun, you know, and, and getting good dry fire repetitions uh, while you're working on various skills and, and stuff like that. That'd be something to, to, to look at. Um, we've got a lot of other content. I mean, even the shop talk uh, that I do on a weekly basis on Mondays, we've covered a lot of different things as far as draw and, 
you know, various holster things and reloads and manipulations and, and, and all kinds of things. And, and a lot of episodes of Shop Talk now that someone could go on our YouTube or Facebook. Well, yeah, they go up on YouTube eventually too, don't they, Jacob? Uh, Shop Talk does not go on YouTube. Oh, I thought we were uploading. Well, they're no. definitely they're definitely on our site. Like you go yeah, to our site. Yeah, forward slash Shop Talk. Video, yeah, do that. Or you can go to videos and you can see there's a category for it as well. Uh, so... And can anyway. I just interject real yeah. quick, right? Uh, obviously, you listeners that are familiar with the podcast know what dry fire is, but hopefully this is being shared to some people that know, have no idea and are like, dry fire, what does that mean? We're talking mm-hmm. about using the gun um, in your home with no ammunition present and practicing manipulating the gun and, and going through various uh, skill building uh, drills, if you would, uh, to become more familiar with it. Obviously, there's nothing that can replicate dry or, or live fire exactly, but you're building the skills and familiarity and, and uh, I, I think some of the confidence uh, with using that gun when it's not loaded. So when you go to the range, you're not so it's not so foreign in your hand. And there's lots of uh, aspects or methods to approach this. Uh, you mentioned earlier, Matthew, the use of dummy rounds. You know, that, that's a form of dry fire, right? If I'm loading dummy rounds into mm-hmm. the magazine and then cycling those into the gun and pressing the trigger and then ejecting those rounds out, that's dry fire. Um, there's, there's various tools and products out there you can buy that attach to your or insert into your existing live firearm that ensure it's safe uh, or give it particular types of functionality while you're doing dry fire. There's also dedicated uh, training guns that you can buy that mimic in some degree some are better than others, um, your firearm, but they're, they're completely separate training guns that you know are inert and can't hurt anyone. Uh, often they project a laser, which can be used to, to get some sort of visual indication of your point of impact so that you're, you can train kind of the accuracy component along with the other manipulations of the gun. Uh, I wrote an article that will probably publish on concealedcarry.com in the next couple of days, maybe before anyone's listening to this, that's about different tools, uh, gun tools relative to dry fire. And so uh, there's, there's lots of ways to achieve this. But I think at the base, you know, at the very base level, if all you did is went and bought some dummy rounds, which Matthew's already uh, suggested, and we sell tons of them on our site, uh, and you just, you know, load those into the gun and go through some manipulations, that would be a really good starting point. I've got a uh, barrel block right here that we sell on our site. This is probably mm-hmm. one of the most simple devices you can buy that will make it a lot safer for you to do dry fire. All right. Yeah, and for those who aren't watching, describe it really quickly, Riley. Yeah, it's a uh, it's an well, in the case of nine millimeter, it's an orange stick basically, with at one end of it the uh, shape of a cartridge. So in this case, it's about the size of a nine millimeter cartridge. And uh, for those that are watching, but I will describe this as well. But I've got in it maintained in a safe direction. I have a P three twenty X five here, and all this does is I'm going to insert the stick the skinnier part of it in through the chamber, right? So we open up the slide and we insert this down through the chamber and this is going to go forward into the chamber, that cartridge shaped portion, and it's going to get locked in place there. So it's completely inert now in, in that nothing can enter the chamber of this gun. Uh, no rounds can go in there accidentally. And so we can do some dry fire practice in a very safe manner here. And you'll see that there is the orange tip of the 
You know, typically, I put this that the one I am using in this gun today would be a little bit longer, uh, would stick out the the barrel just a bit, so you have a, a good visual reference. You at a glance, you know that uh, the barrel block is installed, that it's safe for me to go ahead and do dry fire practice with this. So, lots of things like that. That's a simple, inexpensive solution. That yeah, think, sub fifteen bucks. Yeah. So you buy a gun and you're like, well, what a cert pistol, a laser cartridge, this blah blah. blah. Just get a barrel block with your, you know, for your chambering you know of your gun nine millimeter 380 40 whatever it is and stick it in the gun in the barrel do your dry fire work and you can do that in any direction then at that point at that point if we know that 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 barrel blocks in the gun then we can point it basically in any direction i mean i would still encourage you not to do it towards people necessarily but you can start to loosen up a little bit as far as where your safe directions might be and then that allows you to get better, more effective dry fire practice uh, while still being safe. And that's why we like products like that. So, um, all right. We're, we're, uh, we've been going a little while now. We've got a few more items we want to cover. Um, I, I want to go ahead and jump to training, Jacob. I, I know that you probably have uh, different views on this, but here'd be what I would say. The sooner a person attends a good quality in-person training course, the, the better they'll be. Uh, the sooner that happens, the better you are. Uh, now, if this is at a range or you just go to the range, most ranges have classes that are offered. Hopefully, most of those are, are decent, you know, quality. Uh, you know, everybody in their their dog is an instructor these days, and, and not all are created <laughs> or trained equally well. But uh, the sooner you get a live fire training course in particular, the better off you will be. So I would encourage you to be looking for those kind of opportunities. Uh, we're, we're constantly working on f- fleshing out our training schedule and, and partnering with more instructors. Uh, one reference I would point people to would be to go to class.concealedcarry.com. And you can find all kinds of, a lot of them are going to be concealed carry courses, but there's there's live fire ones too. There's... You know, refuse to be a victim courses occasionally on there too. I and mean, there's all kinds of options, but you can go to class.concealedcarry.com and hopefully find something that's kind of close to where you are. And the sooner you can go there and, and take one of those classes, the, the better off you're going to be. Yeah, I, I think I, I would see this as sort of a graduation of sorts. Because you, you may, if you're brand new, you might feel uncomfortable. You might feel like, man, I'm just, am I going to embarrass myself if I go take a class? So a couple of thoughts for me would be, uh, one, uh, online training is not as good as in-person training, but there's plenty of it out there. And right now you might be in a situation where you're quarantined, self-quarantined or otherwise, where it might be difficult to find an in-person class uh, because right now, you know, we're not supposed to have groups of more than 10 people together or instructors don't want to get infected or sick. And so you see a lot of classes canceled uh, or ranges that are shut down and closed, whatever else. So online training is an option that you can pursue. We have a class uh, that I think is a fantastic starting point for anyone. We call concealed carry fundamentals. It's about three and a half hours and we sell it for 39 bucks. Uh, Pretty hard to beat that. It's, 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 I think it's like more than three hours long worth of video if you watch it all the way through, but it's broken up into like 40-something parts. So you can you can find that on our website. I'll be in the show notes as well. So you can start with something like that, an online training course that I think is a very good starting point. Um, but traditionally, when you go look in the marketplace at in-person classes, you generally run into kind of two different be- beginner-type options. You generally have either like a basic a basic handgun class 
There's a NRA, NRA basic pistol curriculum that's relatively uh, common and popular. And then you generally have concealed carry classes. Concealed carry classes vary a lot depending on the state you're in. You know, you might be in a state like Utah or Colorado where a concealed carry class consists of two to three, maybe four hours of lecture only. You sit in a classroom and just listen and then you walk out. Uh, you might be in a state like Illinois where a concealed, or New Mexico where a concealed carry class is two days long and it includes you know, one full day on the range shooting live guns. Uh, or you might be somewhere in the middle, something like maybe um, the state of Texas, you know, which is really about a five to six, seven hour uh, overall training class where a couple of hours are going to be on a range and you are going to have to shoot some sort of qualification. So, you know, understanding when you're out there shopping for a class, what that actually entails, reading the description and knowing what you're going into is a good idea. If you feel at all uncomfortable about, man, is this the right class for me? Am I really prepared? You can always call up gen- you know, the range or the instructor or the training organization or academy and say, hey, here's my situation. Is this right for me? And they're going to they're gonna be very honest. You're going to find that the community of instructors is, is really endeavoring to help you move forward and that there's enough options out there. You're going to find something that's appropriate for you. Yeah. And can I just add one thing? Um, it's, no. it's really, imp- <laughs> it's really important. Is and, and like I said, I'm going to go back to like, hopefully these are uh, new beginning shooters and gun first time gun owners are listening to this. It, you are a beginner and that's totally fine. You'd be surprised how many first time gun owners come through classes and they're so terrified of being the, you know, the, the most green person on the range and you know, you got to put that aside and you're going to a class and a good instructor is going to get you to the point where you are are, are going to be confident with that firearm. And, and and so don't not take a class because you're afraid of going in and, and embarrassing yourself or anything, because every single person's been there. Every single person's gone through it and and it, you're just holding yourself back for silly reasons. So don't be don't be scared to seek out training. Yep. Well, and. and- even, I mean, I don't know how many classes I've taken now and, and hours and hours and hours I've spent training and I still take classes. And I'll be honest, there's classes I've taken even recently. Like I went and took this one in Arizona. I traveled there for it uh, with two world champion shooters. I was a bit nervous going because these are two high level dudes that I respect, Rob Latham and Mike Seeklander. And I'm like, man, I don't want to look like a complete fool in their class, <laughs> you know? And, uh, but, but you know what, that's, that's a part of, uh, learning and growing and, and developing your skill, uh, is you, you gotta be willing to put yourself out there a little bit. Uh, and, and it, 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 you know, you gotta get over that hump. And once you get over that hump, you'll find out it's not a big deal. Nobody's there judging you. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's a good thing to take classes. And to Jacob's point, there's lots of great online training resources. We've got our whole, I mean, that's a, one of the big reasons we created uh, Guardian Nation, which is our, our members only kind of group, if you will, uh, at concealedcarry.com. Guardian Nation uh, has a ton of videos that members get free access to. Some, you know, some are available where you can pay for them if you're not a member. Some are only available to members. And there's a lot of great content in there uh, that would help someone to get on get started on their journey. So uh, lots of great content. I'll, I'll, I'll quickly add that uh, Guardian Nation members, part of the the members area, they have access to our entire Concealed Carry Fundamentals course, which I previously mentioned was $39. They also have access to our complete home defense course, which we sell uh, for almost $60, I think. And membership is only thirty eight forty five a month. So a person could pay thirty eight dollars and forty five cents 
And I suppose you could cancel, you know, 29 days later and that's all you pay and you'd get access to both those courses. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, there you go. Very, very good point, Jacob. Um, safety gear is something that someone should also be thinking about and getting uh, because obviously they're going to take a class, particularly a live fire one, and eventually you're going to end up making a range trip. Uh, hopefully sooner rather than later as well. So you get familiar with the gun, you get to shoot it, you get to verify your ammo functions, all that stuff. Uh, so you need good eye protection, all right? Uh, so, you know, like I've got a set of, of, of glasses here uh, sitting on my desk. Uh, these are walkers. I wasn't sure what these ones were. Um, you know, and they've got a little little mark on them saying that they are ANSI something something rated. I can't read it. It's very, very small text. Um, but, you know, these are impact rated lenses. That's, that's the key. You want something that's typically polycarbonate that <clears throat> if for some reason or uh, a fragment of the round, a piece of jacket, uh, or the gun. I hate to scare anybody away, right? We're talking new gun owners here, but if the gun blew up in your face, right? Which that's very rare. Uh, but, uh, you know, sometimes things have happened and, and believe it or not, people walk away from some of that with very little injury. Sometimes there is more injury, but the point is we want to minimize that the opportunity for that. We want to make sure we protect our eyes. We also want to protect our ears most people don't like shooting guns without hearing protection anyway, but get a good set of hearing protection. And, uh, you know, we like the electronic ones, particularly when it comes time to take a class because, uh, you know, then you can hear your instructor a little bit, a little bit better. And they're going to, they're going to dampen that noise when a gunshot goes off. Right. So they basically kind of dampen down or shut off. So the electronic amplification that's occurring before the shot goes away and then it comes back. Uh, but at the very least, buy a pair, get a pair of uh, cheap foamies, right? The little orange uh, things that you kind of roll up and stick in your ears, and some good eye protection. Um, and 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 that's that's really what you need at a, at a basic level for shooting protection. But we've also talked many times on the podcast about medical gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew, I know you know how important that is, and and I know you're an advocate, Jacob. Of course, I mean, we all are here, but uh, um, you know, Matthew, any other things you'd like to add add to that? No, I I, I second the medical gear. I, I I've kind of um, had a conversation with a lot of people um, based off of a, a a tech or a our article we posted about uh, having gear that is your own gear. Now, it's it's great if your shooting club has. You know, they say, hey, we have trauma kits available, um, but there's really no reason for you not to have your own gear that you know is is not expired, that somebody hasn't messed around with it and broke something or used it up, um, that you don't have to run 100 yards to a, you know, a, a, a central point and grab it and bring it back. There's just no real reason. And the, the gear that you would have at a, a club or something, think of it as redundancy where, you know, if there's multiple people injured, right? So there's no reason not to have your own personal trauma kit that you take to the range in case you get injured or somebody standing right next to you gets injured and you need to provide immediate, you know, medical uh, attention to stabilize that person until EMS can arrive. You, you don't want to be running off or having to crawl off in, 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 in hundreds of yards to grab a tourniquet. Uh, it's just, it's just, it doesn't make sense. Yep. Yep. Good, good, good. All right. 
I'm just trying to think if there's anything else that, that we've missed. Um, you know, I, I, I would just encourage people to, again, we, we've, we've tried so hard to have so many readily available resources on our website. If you go to concealedcarry.com, you look at that, that top menu across there, you're going to see, you know, all kinds of resources, uh, you know, information stuff, training stuff, videos, of course, articles on our site. We have things segmented by category um, and by type, and and you can explore all that. We've got a, a series of what we call core content uh, with lots of great stuff there as well. Um, and I think the key is 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 being a continual student, you know, a learner, like constantly seeking for the best information that you can find, and and doing your best to take that all in, absorb it like a sponge. Um, and, and apply it as best as you can, especially during this time where, yes, more most of us are, you know, isolated to some degree, and and this is a great time to to take in as much of that online content as we can. And if you're still able to get to an in-person class, great. Um, you know, I know that there's some places here locally that are still operational. Others are kind of limiting hours, or are. Uh, well, looks like we lost Jacob, but. Uh, uh, maybe he just got kicked. Uh, I didn't see any messages from him, so he may have just got kicked for whatever reason. But anyway, so uh, yeah, I mean, take take your advantage here to to while you maybe may have some downtime to learn and study and grow and all that stuff. Jacob's back. There he is, <laughs> Jacob. I think you were going to add something too. I heard you kind of you know chime in a little bit with something. Yeah, I, I guess uh, two things. I think we'd be remiss to not mention one would be that. If you're a new gun owner, you know, look for friends, neighbors, uh, coworkers, someone who you may not know them really well. Maybe you don't have a close friend that owns that owns guns or is a, is a longtime shooter, but maybe you do. You know, does that one guy at work who you kind of sort of know? Uh, you know, just don't be afraid to ask. You know, for help uh, or for someone to work with you or help you out or go to the range with you on your first time. And uh, you know, there might there might be some jerks out there, but I think broadly speaking, you probably can find a, a, a decent person to to help you out. And then the second thought is, I'm going to include in the show notes an article uh, that we have called, uh, let's see, it's called the guide guide to gun law for gun control and American journalists. So this, this is a really kind of good introduction to a lot of core legal concepts related to guns. It talks about how background checks work. It talks about uh, gun registration. It talks about NFA class three title to weapons. It talks about semi-auto versus full auto. It talks about open carry and concealed carry and how those are regulated. It talks about, uh, reciprocity. It talks about school zones. It talks about the whole stand your ground uh, legal concept. And and so it's a good thing to review. It's While it's not state specific or specific to, you know, in any real way, it broadly speaking is going to give you a lot of insight into the gun laws that are most often uh, discussed and debated in America. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, I think just, we were talking about it pre-show, but, uh, you know, there may be a lot of new gun owners out there that, uh, may not really understand use of force, particularly deadly force and, and what the law involves. Uh, and, and, and there's, there's a lot to understand there. Uh, and the, and the mindset piece is also something that's going to be developed over time with, uh, studying laws and, and, and tactics and all that and understanding what's appropriate to do and not to do. I actually saw a post, uh, from Andrew Branca yesterday saying that he, you know, he's anticipating an uptick in business in the next, uh, six to 12 months. And what that means is he, you know, he's a legal consultant. He consults to other attorneys that are handling um, criminal defense cases where somebody might have 
you know, they're, they're facing charges because of a situation where they used a gun or, or something. Uh, and, and so, and he's probably right in that because there's people buying guns that don't know what they're doing with them necessarily or don't know, understand the nuances of the law very well. So, uh, kind of a place I would leave us is protect life and, and not property. Mm-hmm. Like, even regardless of, because somebody out there will say, well, I'm allowed to defend my home. Well, in Texas or something, that's, you know, if we're taking it quite literally at that, at your word of you know, defending your home or your property, that might be true. But let's put that aside because it's a rare exception. But in most other states, you may be able to protect, say, your home because not the home, but 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 who's inside of the home. Uh, and so what I would say is be focused on, this is the mindset we need to cultivate, that we are focused on defending life, our own life or the life of a loved one or somebody you know we know or particularly in our home, we are focused on defending life from a legitimate threat. All right, and if, if we just cultivate that attitude, uh, that's not that's not a hard thing to wrap our heads around. But if we get, you know, the danger zone is when someone starts thinking about, well, this guy is going to get away with something. That's a very dangerous place to start, go, you know, going down as far as a path. Uh, because when you're focused on, I got to do something to stop this guy, not because they might be threatening or, you know, uh, potentially killing you, but because they're breaking into your vehicle or they're stealing your stuff or they're breaking into your home, uh, you need to be focused on defending life, not property, and not giving a crap about whether they get away or not. And that would, you know, we would we would have so fewer, we'd have a like probably 1% of the stories to share on the podcast where somebody crosses the line and gets in trouble in legal hot water if people just understood that pretty basic concept. Defend yeah. life, not property. Don't be concerned with whether they get away. And can I throw in um, shooting warning shots is is generally prohibited. Like it, we, we kind of don't encourage you to crank off random rounds. I know we, Joe Biden says we, that. You know, we, we don't recommend it. Period. <laughs> right. So um, I'm, I'm kind of being a strong facetious. position here. <laughs> I'm kind of being facetious. <laughs> I think, um, but I, you know, I know Joe Biden said it, and I know a lot of people think warning shots. Oh, I'll just shoot some warning shots, and people run away. Um, that may be the case but you may end up harming somebody else. So let, let's not, let's not tread down that road and just, just um, understand that using the gun is, is at a last resort when nothing else will, you know, is available to you to use and nothing else would work to stop this threat. Um, we don't just crank off rounds just to scare people and have them run away. Yeah. My, my two cents on uh, the use of force, you know, summary, I guess would be that, you know, what there, we, I try and remember that we really got to separate this into two different sections. We have self-defense law and then we have gun law. Self-defense law is the law that regulates when you can use some degree of force in, in defense of yourself or defense of others against some sort of threat. Uh, and then we have gun law, which is just basically the, the laws that regulate the use and possession of the gun. Gun law determines you can and can't have it in your car in these circumstances, or you need a permit to have it there, or you can't have this many rounds in a magazine, or you can't, um, you know, whatever. Like that 
can't, you know, can't have it at schools. You know, those, those are gun laws. And so gun laws, the laws that regulate the use and possession of the gun, uh, vary enormously from state to state, right? They're significantly different from place to place, whereas self-defense law is not that different from state to state pretty much. And I'm kind of trying to summarize what the both of you guys both also summarize, but you can defend against any immediate deadly threat to humans when you are the innocent party. That's that's basically the sum up for almost all 51, 50 states plus D.C. with a couple of nuances. But pretty much you can defend against any immediate deadly threat to humans when you are the innocent party. Um, and that's that's pretty true across all 50 states. Again, gun law that regulates the possession and use of the gun varies enormously from state to state. Uh, and for that, you, you really need to do some research. A couple of resources I'll, I'll mention, concealedcarry.com forward slash laws. Uh, concealedcarry.com forward slash laws. We have massive uh, database of laws for all 51 states. You can look at it by topic. You could click on open carry and see all 50 states listed and what the open carry laws are in those states. Or you could click on a state. You could click on Alabama and see all of the gun laws in our uh, database for Alabama. Uh, we also have that same, well, most of that same information and some other information in our free app that you can download to your phone, the concealed carry gun tools app. And we also third kind of uh, another resource on those lines. We sell a book called the legal boundaries by state. It starts out at $9.99 for the ebook. And when you buy it, you get permanent access to all future updates because obviously laws do change. And you can find that at concealedcare.com forward slash gun law book. Then it also has a similar uh, resource of those gun laws that, that vary from state to state. Yep. All right. It's a good place to wrap it up, guys. Uh, a reminder that today's episode is sponsored by guns.com. Great place to shop for your next used or new gun. Uh, they also buy guns from people that are looking to sell. All right, now if you're in a pinch where you're looking to get a little, little extra cash, and uh, I'm pretty sure they're probably feeling a little more motivated to, to buy uh, from from gun owners right now, so they can sell because you know people are people are buying. So uh, check you can, you can look into that program as well. All at guns.com. Also, today's episode, as Jacob just concluded with, sponsored by the Legal Boundaries by State book. Either the physical or ebook, uh, either one you can get. You can get them both. And uh, we definitely encourage you to use that as a resource and check it out at concealedcarry.com forward slash gun law book. Uh, yeah, so that's a that's a wrap, I think. This is this hopefully has been a valuable resource to an episode for those of you out there listening or viewing um, if you're a new gun owner you know don't give up keep pressing forward and learning and studying and growing and getting better don't hesitate to contact us also if you have any questions hey if you're out there and you're like hey i don't know what i'm doing i want to know about a certain topic we are always open to questions from listeners you can email us at podcast at concealedcarry.com uh, or message our facebook page as well that, that's fine uh, as well so send us a question we'll do our best to help you out answer your questions maybe your topic will even make it to a future episode as well so, Matthew, Jacob, thank yes, you sir. for uh, doing this episode with me here today. It's been a thank good time. Thank you. Yeah, it's cool to have us all back together. Finata. Yeah. So with that, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care.
A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.